Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Poolside Perspectives Podcast. I am Kevin Woodhurst, and with me is my good friend, Mike Farley, and we're so glad you found this podcast. Together, we have been homeowner advocates in outdoor living and the pool industry for over 30 years. So we understand the challenges you face creating your backyard paradise. We know your curiosity is not enough to ensure your success. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the design process and practical steps to help you create that space. We'll have some fun mixed in with it, some aha moments, and this is no fluff. No one has time for that. So we're going to get serious and get very particular about all of these topics. Whether you are a new homeowner with your first remodel or a seasoned homeowner competing your last dream home, we are here to help you end up with what you dreamed of. From pools to patios, pizza ovens to pergolas, porcelain to pumps, pool party to permits, ping pong tables to the processes to your paradise. This is straight talk and action steps. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. This is the Poolside Perspectives podcast, and Mike and I have a great show for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about hot tubs, spas, saunas, and just about anything other than just the swimming pool, but things that are good for health and wellness in your outdoor living space and how to bring that all together and make it all work. And have fun in them. Absolutely, because they are a lot of fun. You know, you and I were talking earlier and you had been doing some research on the history of spas because you asked me a couple of questions that I found quite fascinating. And then you started rattling off some information that, again, I thought, that's cool information. Yeah. Press on with that. So it was just interesting to me because I was like, how long have spas been around? So the history of warm water therapy has been around for a long time. Sure. It initially was hot mineral springs that came out of the earth that they used those. And then there were places that they heated up water in different locations going back a long ways to the first century and even before the first century in Greece and Rome and Japan. Actually, some of the oldest ones were recorded, I think, in Finland that they'd been around for a long time. So it was interesting from a history standpoint. But what was interesting to me is it was all about medicine to begin with. Sure. About health and wellness. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which we don't use those products that much in the United States for those reasons. But there is a huge benefit to all those from a function standpoint. So the warm water therapy, the word spa, that was an interesting one. So there was a place in Belgium, a village by the name of spa. Okay. And actually there was a hot mineral spring there that was used by the Roman soldiers. And so some people claim that was the first place that the word spa was used. And later on, actually built a resort in this town and so that's where the first spa resort was developed sure some people said but some people said the name spa came from an acronym in latin and of course if i could speak latin i could tell you what it said but it was something like solace per aquam and that means health from water that okay. rolled out really nice yeah i can say health from water <laughs> right but that latin part not so much but anyway, it was really interesting how all these things transpired. And so I was trying to think back the first time I ever used, you know, warm water from a therapy, hot tub, spa type situation. And I couldn't remember growing up. A lot of people had pools. Sure. But nobody had a spa. You asked that question earlier because we had a really nice conversation before we started today. And 
we talked about the natural springs and the mineral waters and everything. And it just reminded me, because I grew up in Idaho, as you know, and I remember as a kid, a few times we went up to some other parts of Idaho where there's natural springs and there was actually some pools built, quasi pools, if you will, but the warm mineral water would come up and then cascade from one pool to the other and families would go up there and sit in there. And I remember doing that as a kid, but I do not remember a hot tub or a spa as a kid. And based on our conversation, there's reason for that. Right. So the first time I ever experienced anything like that was 1979. I was backpacking in Colorado and there was a hot spring that came up out of the ground and rolled down into the river and they had dammed it up. And so people would hang out there and that was cool. And in the early 80s in Pagosa Springs, there was this dumpy motel that we stayed at when we would ski and it had this big hot spring right there and basically the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can remember hanging out there. And now that is what is called the Springs Resort. The dumpy motel got turned into a resort and it's a very nice, we go there all the time every summer when we come out of backpacking. Mm -hmm. We take the kids in there and you have to take a shower before you get in. And then you soak in the hot tubs and you take a shower afterwards to, to wash off some of the smell of the sulfur. So anyway, that's a good way to clean up a junior high boy that doesn't think he wants to take a shower <laughs> right. before he rides home 12 hours. But there was a lot of things that I ran across that from a, a health stamp, some of the history, I guess you were asking me about. The first hot tubs in the United States were in the 40s and they were brought over from Japan and they were basically like a bathtub with these real straight sides and they would put a wood fire stove to heat the water. And that was the first spas that were used in the United States. In 70 AD was when the spa hot springs was found with the Romans is when they first started using that. And they built a resort around it in 1326. Could you imagine back then just the difference between being able to go and swim in regular water, but actually hot water? Oh, the reason they used it was for healing purposes mm -hmm. and wounds. That's what the soldiers were using it for. Sure, with the minerals. That, was for that situation. But Egyptians used actually steam long ago. But in 1815, Saratoga Springs in New York, they built two hotels with these springs, similar to the ones like you're talking about in Idaho. And there was 500 rooms each. And, and that was the first time there was some type of situation like that in the U.S., which I thought was cool. But the one thing was, was the term jacuzzi has always popped up. And a lot of people don't know that comes from the jacuzzi family, okay, which in the 50s immigrated to the United States from Italy. And what they did was they worked with the orange groves in Southern California, and they developed the first submersible pump to use with those orange groves. And then they had a family member that had really bad arthritis. And so they developed this pump system that they put in a bathtub in 1956 for their family. And so with that, they were able to develop that jacuzzi tub. Jacuzzi tub. Mm -hmm. And so then they started doing just standalone bath units in 63. And in the 68, they developed the first, what they called whirlpool bath. They called it a Roman bath. It was 50% air and 50% water. So the first jetted situation mm -hmm. commonly that we were familiar with today. It was funny. It wasn't until 1970 that they added a filter and a heater to it. 
I would imagine because those tubs would have been supplied with hot water from the house. Right. So they didn't need to heat the water up. So but now how do we make a self-contained unit where people can get into it? That's what you're talking about. So a jacuzzi tub was really before the hot tub. Mm-hmm. Okay. People have jacuzzi tubs in their homes today with jets and stuff like that. But that was what it was first of all. It was for in the bathroom. And there's really three different names that get used. There's maybe even more, but hot tub, spa, right, jacuzzi. Are they all the same? No. In the industry, they've basically come up with a definition. So if it is a self-contained unit, which we know of today, which was interesting because the first self-contained units actually weren't developed until 1977. So the first self-contained unit with your heater, your blower, and your jets, and the shell, and all in one box. So we in the industry call those hot tubs, Mm -hmm. okay? If it's attached to a swimming pool, we call it a spa, okay? So a jacuzzi is a brand of hot tub. So Got it. Now, there was another side twist. The jacuzzi family is... We had the movement that was taking place in California in the 60s in Sonoma County, and they had all these old wine vats. And so what people started doing was heating up with a wood fire stove, the water, and pumping it into these wine vats. And soon people were like, this is pretty cool, and there weren't enough wine vats, so they started building vats out of redwood. And so those were your first wooden-sided hot tubs. And that's what I think of them as hot tubs because they're basically a tub full of hot water. And the reality is with warm water therapy, you're getting the therapy from the warm water more importantly than anything. But the therapy jets certainly help. That's nice. And some of these tubs have an awful lot of jets. And as we were talking, I'll just be honest, I was a spa and hot tub snob for many years. I just thought there's just no other way to do it except with your pool because they just seem to look better. Right. Ironically, when Heather and I bought our last home in Phoenix, it already had a pool and the pool was pretty average. That was a little bit of a struggle for me because we've had some really nice pools, but we ended up buying a hot tub because it didn't have one. And I will tell you that my mind got changed very quickly because we used it day and night, every day and every evening we used it. And it was great because with all the accents I've had and all the problems that I've had, health issues, It was just so nice to go sit in there and get that relief off my back or whatever else, but just the warm water in general. And my mindset changed completely after having that self-contained one because it's always ready. And I think you have an even better story. With my setup now? Yes. (laughs) So I have a bizarre, and what's funny is I'm not a hot tub person. However, there are three in my backyard. So when I built my pool, I wanted to to be functional for multiple situations. So I had kids that were very involved in athletics from very early ages and very high competition. And so the thought of having warm water from a therapy standpoint sitting in the tub, I thought would be highly advantageous for them. And so when I built the pool, there's a hot tub that sits two to maybe three people. And the thought I had was we may heat this up every night Sure. And so I don't want to heat up a huge body of water. And so we'll set this situation up. Now, I can tell you at this point in time, we've lived there almost 20 years. The pool came a few years after we moved in, but that hot tub for three persons has never been heated up. Really? Never. Mm. Okay. So the second hot tub I built was to sit 
large group. So it has like stadium seating in it. So there's a top step or bench, depending on what you want to call it, that people can sit in that's six inches of water. Because what I find is a lot of people like to hang out in the social aspect, but they don't want to be in just deep water for a long period of time. Sure. And so a lot of people like to move up and down and up and down, but they're sitting on the coping. You're kind of out of it and you start cooling off. But if you can sit in six inches of water, that makes it a little bit more comfortable. So I've got the six inches of water that people hang out in. Then I've got the standard bench seat that sits 10 people in that. And so there's people that'll sit with their feet in the water in the six inches, people that sit in the six inches of water, people that sit in a normal bench. And so there might be sometimes 20 people sitting around this vessel when we're having a large gathering, especially with when we had a large gathering with kids. So we've got those two. Okay. Then I'm a pool guy. And so I've gone into projects numerous times and people have had a hot tub and we're going to remove it. And we're going to put a pool in. And I had a client that had virtually like a year or two old hot springs hot tub, which is pretty close to the top of the line. And they said, you can haul it off. And I'm like, throw it away. And they're like, yeah. And I said, do you want to try to sell it or give it to somebody? No, I wouldn't want to give someone something used and then it breaks and that type of thing. And I'm like, was it okay if I just take it? And they're like, sure. So I took it and put it in another part of the yard away from the pool and everything like that. So it's in a little separate area and we have that. So the pro is there's pros and cons to both of those units. Yeah, let's talk about those. Okay. The big issue with some people is access. Okay. How do I get into my hot tub? Mm-hmm. How do I get into my spa? And so I think access is a big deal for some people because it also, they want it to feel like it's in part of the setting. Mm-hmm. So instead of just a, a box sitting on the edge of the patio. So how have you solved that in some of the things you've done? I've done them in the past. I've done the above ground spas. It's designed and built so it looks like it's part of the pool. But you can't really pull it off perfectly because you got to have access into the spa because everything's you know contained within. So there's that way to do it. You can buy a shelf separately and plumb it in with the pool equipment. I've done that a couple of times. There's a number of different ways to do it. And the main thing that I think is important is for people to understand the difference between the two because there's pros and cons to both. And there's some good ones to both. I like them both. But I just found it ironic that after all those years of being that snob for above ground spas that we get one and it's like our favorite thing. So with an above ground unit, what you have is an access panel on one side. So you have to be able to get to that access panel to service pumps, uh, motor, right? Everything that in that space, I do have a project that we are, the foundation of the house is being poured probably this week. And there's a vault in the foundation of the house so they can recess the tub down a full 36 inches. And gain access to the, the side panel is the spa goes at the very end of the porch. Oh, so it's. So, and then we we're building a retaining wall around the end part so mm-hmm. you can go in and actually access the equipment. Right. And there's a lid that's going over that space. So when you first glance at it, you don't notice that there's steps and a retaining wall there. That's the craziest one that I've ever done from an access standpoint. But I've had a lot of times hillsides where I've had the access panel on the downhill side and we've built decks, wood decks and things like that, all the way sometimes up to the very top of the spa or maybe even 
down 18 inches so you can use the spas like a bench. Yep. I've done that before. It's a good way to do it. If you're trying to incorporate it into the area, the other option is you have your pool and outdoor living area, and then maybe off the master bedroom, you've got a small space and that's where you put your spa, your above ground spa. To your point, you had both of them. I probably in the future, if I ever did this again, would probably have both. We just really enjoyed having it because it was always ready. That water's always warm, always 104 degrees. This wasn't like a top of the line unit, but it's what, 56 jets, you know, which is a lot of jets. And they oscillate, they pulsate. We use those kinds of jets in spas that are being built with a pool, but there's just hardly not a way to incorporate all, and I'll use the word, all of the functions and necessities of an above ground spa into an in-ground spa. Sure, because you can't get jets all the way up on your neck Mm -hmm. in an in-ground spa. We just can't physically get them up in that. And if I put 56 jets in an in-ground spa, it would make the structure Swiss cheese. Yes, it would. And it would fall apart. Mm -hmm. There'd be so much plumbing in it because an above-ground unit isn't structural at all. Mm -hmm. So it's basically totally self-contained. So it's not having to deal with the pressure of the soil or all the the things that go into like a typical swimming pool. So one of the things that's really important about a, an above ground spa, in my opinion, after all these years is it has to be an enclosed unit because the problem we had in Arizona was the little desert rats and all these little creatures. They like going inside these things and chewing on wires, just like they do with pool heaters and everything else. You want to get one that's literally so enclosed that you can't really get in there without taking off panels and they're sealed in such a way that stuff is protected from the elements. With a lot of the units today, they have a heavy foam insulation mm-hmm. around them to protect them from that aspect. And also it helps to keep the unit warmer. So explain the concept to people about it's always ready to use versus how does a spa with a pool work and from a heating standpoint? So an above ground spa or jacuzzi is going to be powered by electricity. You're going to need at least a 50 or 60 amp sub panel. They typically are pulling anywhere from 35 to 40, depending on how many pumps and stuff are on. There's probably some that even use more energy than that. But because it's powered by electricity, it's always on and you just set the temperature on it and it just maintains that temperature. Now spas, above ground spas are maintained differently typically than in-ground spas. Because in an above-ground spa, you're probably going to be using bromine versus chlorine as a sanitizer. Right. And a lot of above-ground spas now come with ozone systems. You can even get one with the saltwater system. There's a lot of stuff going on these things now. TVs that rise out of them, entertainment systems. It goes on and on. Water features. Yeah, water features. I've seen sheer descents on them. Little spray bubbles that come out, LED lights, colored lighting, stereo systems. It's pretty neat. If you can't afford a pool or maybe you want a pool and then maybe something like that, it's a great option to have. And as I said, you know, oftentimes we're not open-minded to stuff until we've actually experienced it. And my bad on that, because I'll tell you what, I I absolutely love it because it was, as you were talking, always ready. You know, you want to keep it somewhere between 102 and 104 degrees. And yes, we were in Phoenix and there were days when it was 100 degrees out and we still came out in the morning, went and took a shower, got ready for the day, loosened up. Got all the health benefits from it. It was really a nice thing to have. Yeah, we're going to go over a list of all those health benefits in a little bit. But Perfect. You have a cover on an above ground unit. Yeah, that helps maintain and retain the heat. So with that, then it's fully insulated. And so I was shocked when 
I was using these units. The electrical draw on it for a month was not that high. Mm-hmm. You're looking at $35, $50 maybe to keep it, the pump systems running all the time. Now, one of the things that I found out is if you have one pump, because I've had a hot tub that had a one pump system. And what happens with the one pump system is it runs the filter and the heater all the time. And then when you turn the jets on, it turns the heater and the filter off mm-hmm. and it's just running jets now. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that's like your bathtub. It soon cools off and it's not as enjoyable as it was when you first got in. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend if you're going to consider a hot tub, and that's the difference between people are like, why is there such a wide swing in price? One of the big things is how many pump systems sure. you have. Because if it's a one-pump system, those are the ones you find at Sam's Club or Costco. And, oh, it's four or $5,000 in cost. And why is this one over here $15,000? Is a lot of it has to do with the, the pumping and all that type of thing. But, yeah, the features, the equipment, everything. There's a lot of stuff going into this thing. And they have to be engineered that way. they got to be packed and shipped. And they need to last a reasonable amount of time. So that is one thing about a hot tub is I tell people it's an appliance. Yes, it is. Okay. So as you get a refrigerator, you're going to replace a refrigerator or a washer or dryer over a certain period of time because it is an appliance. Okay. Now, the better ones are going to be easier to repair and do work on. And the same thing falls into the place with hot tubs. So Mm -hmm. there's people that do repair work on them, but the life expectancy of one is probably... I would say 10 years, 10 to 12 years before it starts probably just being antiquated and getting old and tired. You know, it also depends on how well things are taken care of. Some people are just exceedingly good at taking care of stuff and others are not. Right. And I'm not a hot tub expert by any means. I just know that when I worked in Northern California, the company I worked with, we sold portable hot tubs and we built in-ground spas. And so we saw about a 60-40 split. About 40% did the above-ground unit, about 60% did the in-ground. So other than access, when you do an in-ground unit, you're heating the water up from whatever the temperature of the pool is every time you go to heat that up. It's not ready instantaneously. That's the big difference, Okay, sure. It might take 15 minutes or it might take 45 minutes to heat that unit up. Depending on the temperature it starts at. Now, one thing that's become highly advantageous is it used to be you had to come home and deal with your controls to turn that on. Now, everybody turns their hot tub, excuse me, wrong word, spa, turns their spa on from their handheld remote that's on their phone. The one that's connected to the pool or part of the pool equipment. Yeah. So you can be at a restaurant, you can be on your way home and you can turn that unit on. So the heat up time becomes a little bit easier to deal with. Or if case in point, you used it every morning, you could program it to be ready to use at seven o'clock every morning. Well, because it was a self-contained spot, it was just ready all the time. No, I'm saying if you had one that was in with your built in with your right. pool, you could program it. So, but yes, it's at an instance notice, you can walk out there and use it and it's ready. So the second thing is you mentioned the jets. Yeah, on a typical spa that we build in, we might have six to eight jets on your back, six jets on your legs if you wanted to add an additional system to do that. 
but that's generally the size of the system. I think 12 jets is the most I've ever done in an in-ground spa. Now, I've seen some spas that were built in ground that were highly customized and had more than that. But as a standard situation, yes, that's probably a typical. But you're never going to be able to get all the way up to the top of your neck and that type of situation. The other thing is the seating aspect is, For sure. is different. It's just a totally different feel. It's in one case, you are right out with the pool, enjoying the pool, all the features on the pool, sitting in the spa. And I've been doing spas for years that were at the same level as the pool. So you could sit on the dam wall, you could swing back and forth between the pool and the spa. The kids liked it, usually set up near a Baja shelf or a tanning ledge or a sun shelf, if you will. So it just was a nice space and a nice area for people to engage and interact with one another. And it works well, but it's a different experience. Now you get into the above ground hot tub outside the master bedroom or outside, you know, in a different space in the yard with all those jets. And it's always, they're just two different animals. They're both great in their own sense. Right. But you have seats that are like almost a lounge. Oh yeah. And there's different chairs and they've got different capabilities and that type of situation. We have a bullfrog spot at our house in Phoenix and it actually all the therapy jets in it, you can switch them around to different parts of the spa. So if you've got one side of the spa that has a specific side, a type of seating, you can move around the jets to get either an oscillating one, a pulsating one or whatever. So it's really a well-engineered spa. I really liked it. Really thought it was really nice in it. Yeah. The closest we can get to that is we can use a waterway jet and your in-ground spa Pull the guts out and replace them. The, the nozzles, you can take those out and switch those out if you so desired that type situation. That's the closest we can come in comparison to. And with that, again, you're not going to have one seat that's got eight different jets on it. It's just physically not structurally possible to do right. that. You brought up earlier that you had a list of all the health benefits of hot water. Yes. And you were going to rattle those off for us, oh, for yeah. our listeners. Yeah, because they're great. They're just having a hot tub or an in-ground spa. Either way, we're advocates of the health and wellness of all of this, but the warm water. Before we jump to that, I just want to touch base on this because this is a big pet peeve of mine. Access to a hot tub, a lot of times people can build them into a deck, you can build into seating, or you can build steps all the way across it so people can hang out on the steps and walk up and then sit on a bench to get in. So there's some customizing situations you can do. There's a lot of people in the outdoor living industry that are highly creative that can come up with ways to adapt these in your backyard. But if I'm going to put one in the ground with a pool, access is also very important to get into them. Yep. There's two scenarios that I run into most commonly. The most common, I feel, for a long time was to have the spa raised 18 inches. And the advantage of it is you then got a water feature coming out of the spa into the pool and some people, that was the only water feature that they needed. But when you do that, realize you're paying for masonry all the way around that unit. So you could also build a wall somewhere else and make a water feature instead of raising the spa. It made a great seat wall. That's what we did. We just called it a seat wall style raised spa. So you could use that to sit on. You swing around. You don't have a steps in it. It's just, you have nothing but seating area in it. Sit on it and rotate, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> sit and spin, yes. right? So it's very easy for people to get in and out of it. The one thing, the six inch raised spa and the 12 inch raised spa to me are horrible because my knees don't work that well mm -hmm. that I can squat down and sit on the edge of that thing. 
then it's awkward. Am I trying to step on it? Am I stepping over it? How am I getting in and out of this thing? And so to me, there's a lot of pool builders that do 12 inch raised spas because they're saving a little bit of masonry and gunite. And to me, that's horrible. Okay. I think too, just on the maintenance side of it, when you have a raised spa, you're going to have water drying and you're getting wet and drying and getting wet over and over again on that dam wall, which is ultimately going to turn into a calcium issue. And you're going to notice that you can see where the water is coming down on it. So part of the reason I went to just down the same level as pools, just got rid of all that. And it became more part of the pool, in my opinion, it brought people closer to the water. Sure. So I ran into this when I first got into the pool industry and the lady asked me, how come nobody talked to me about this? They built a flush spa. Mm-hmm. The step from the flush spa to the bench is how much? You're going to have about six inches of water because it's like the top step of a pool. And then you're down to 18 inches unless you're doing a custom spa with different heights on the seating. But that's if you put a step in. Right. So if you don't have a step. It's a long, yeah, you're talking 24, about 26 inches down to that step. You're falling in. So nobody talked to them about it. This is an older lady. They bought pool in the spa for hydrotherapy for her husband. So they were sold a pool and spa, did not talk to somebody that would tell them all the information they needed to know. Right. So she literally had to carry him into the spa because they didn't put a top step anywhere. So if I ever do a flush spa, the industry says, if you're going to have a vessel, you should have steps into it. Mm -hmm. Now I have a lot of people that say, I don't want the third step because it messes up the seating and people's feet and stuff like that. But I would highly advocate that you want at least a top step always if you have a flush spa. What's funny about your comment about the third step is I don't know how many people have said to me, and over the years I always ask them, do you want the third step? Because without the third step, some people, their feet are not going to be touching anything. And once the therapy jets come on, if they're in high power, I mean, they might just push them right off the bench. And so the step at least was like a foothold so you could gain a little traction, push yourself back into that jet. Oh, if you're short, huh? That's a good... I've never had anybody say that. A good thought. One thing that also that's become a big thing with the industry is the drains on the bottom of the spa. Mm. Where from a safety standpoint, this was something that there was big concerns with a number of years back because people were getting hair entrapment and suction entrapment, and it was predominantly in spas. And so there was one drain, round drain at the bottom of the spa. So this has been done away with. Now there's always two drains in a spa if they're round, or you might use a channel type drain. That was a word of the day, right? Channel drain? It was a word of the day, yes. Yes. So if you use a channel drain, those are nice because the water is taken from all the way around and a lot of the channel drains are flush so you don't stub your toes on the bottom of They're pretty big. They're pretty big, but the channel drains that we use most often have a pebble top on them. So they disappear into the bottom of the spa, but they're large. And so if you had a single, what happened was they went from single drains to dual drains and the dual drains had to be three feet apart or it had to be on a different plane. So a drain on a different plane. Yes. Sidewall. Sidewall. And then, so that would work as well. I've seen some people, it's a really nice detail. They put a toe kick area on the bench so that it was recessed back underneath and they put the drains back there, which I think is a really beautiful look, especially if you're doing like a glass tile 
or something like that in the spa so you don't see the drain at all in the space. So I think that's really cool. Not only that, but if you could hide the drain so you didn't see it. Yeah. That's a great idea. I've also seen people in that toe kick put strip lighting, like the PAL strip lighting down in that area, which is really cool from an aesthetic standpoint too. So there's all these cool things you can do with a spa. So I just wanted to talk about that access issue. We talked about two different access issues. So one is right. just the access to service an above ground spa if you're putting it down near the pool. And then the access you were just talking about is the access. And this is a super important thing to consider is, yeah, it's really fun to have a spa, but you have to be able to get into it. And so as we all get a little bit older, we don't move around as much. We're not as mobile. That's where the spa really comes in handy, but you have to be able to get into it. And Mike's point was this lady, they bought a spa, but now her husband couldn't get into it. So it's something to take into consideration. Good one. No, there's a lot of reasons that people use warm water therapy. So I was shocked at all these different things that there's improvement from a health standpoint. For the most part, you know, the reason people get a hot tub or a spa is they want quality time with their friends and family. And that wasn't on the list of the top 10 reasons to have one, which I thought was funny. I'm just going to kind of rattle some of these things off and you can give me your thought process. So the first thing is it says it improves your sleep because it releases the tension in your muscles. You can rest fully and more efficiently. So I can attest to that. Yes. Did you use your spa at night or in the morning? We're early risers. I was in the military for 13 years. So I'm used to getting up at 4, 4.30 every single morning. And Heather, she worked a job where she was up early. So it was every morning. Right. 10, 15, 20 minutes. Go and shower, get ready for the day, go to work, come home at night, rest, relax. But before we took showers for the night, we'd go out and sit in the spa. Okay. Every day. And I mean every day. Okay. What it also says is it reduces anxiety and stress just by submerging yourself in water. There's compression that happens on you. So that releases endorphins. So you get more comfortable, relaxed situation. So... You must have been one non-stressed individual with that much hot time. Why would I have any depression or anxiety in my life? Well, we're all blessed with a lot of different things. Absolutely. The other thing is said, if you want to take that reducing anxiety and stress to another level is you might add aromatherapy into it as well. That's true. Another thing I'll just add to this is we're all busy. We all spend a lot of time working, taking care of our kids, taking care of each other, taking care of our animals, taking care of our homes. This was a time when we could just have that 15 to 20 to 30 minute time, just her and I, just talking, catching up on the day. We had a TV out on the back patio, so I could turn on Monday Night Football and sit in a hot tub and watch it. It was pretty fun. It was good, but I enjoyed that time with her. It was good quality time. The other thing it says, it will increase your circulation. You'll have better circulation because your blood vessels expand. So therefore, it takes more oxygen through your system. So you're heart doesn't work as hard. So that sounds like a good thing. It is a good thing. So it also claims that you'll have less inflammation because it reduces the load on your joints and allows your joints to reset because it says so many of us sit in a chair all day long and we have our joints are compacted. And so being in a buoyant situation is helpful from that aspect, I thought was interesting. So also to decrease that pressure or by adding the jets, that also gave you a sense of more buoyancy. So that was helpful. So uh, pain relief was another one. Keep on going because there's a lot of them. So it said 
basically back pain is a predominant one, which I've had clients actually been given medical reason for getting a portable hot tub. I injured my back 30 years ago in the military and right. yeah, it helps. Yes. And so the other thing is that it helped with headaches, I guess, because of circulation improvement, but it's used a lot with people that have chronic pain. Absolutely. One of the things that it was developed for in the very beginning, the Jacuzzi Brothers, was because of arthritis. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that will minimize the pain of arthritis. It's not going to eliminate your arthritis, but it does help in that aspect. It gives you lower blood pressure, which is one of the things that they mentioned. If you have low blood pressure, that's not something that's a good thing for you to be using a hot tub extensively because it's going to continue to lower it. It gives you more range of motion. In fact, they recommend if you are really stiff or something like that, you can stretch when you're in the hot tub. That can help you in that aspect. It relieves sinus issues, which I think would be the reason everybody would want one around here because of all the cedar that causes lots of sinus problems for people here in North Texas. My wife has really bad sinus issues. I've never had a sinus issue in my life. I just haven't had that problem. So I can't relate to people that have it, but I can see how miserable they are. I know how miserable she gets. And it helped. It definitely helped. It boosts your immunity because of better blood flow, white blood cells traveling better in that aspect. It just it, loosens up everything. Yeah. So it talked about a full body detox. Mm -hmm. So getting all kinds of nasty stuff out of your system. Now we're talking my language. Yeah. Their recommendation was... You don't want to sit in there for a long period of time, but 15, 20 minutes a day. You don't want to be in more than about 15 or 20 minutes at a time. You don't want your body to overheat. That's not good for you. So about 15, 20 minutes, that's usually it. Yeah. So they mentioned dehydration was something you wanted to be careful with if you're fully hydrated. If you're pregnant, they do not recommend you to do warm water therapy. Yeah. I, I never had that problem. I've never had that problem either. <laughs> so that's a really good safety thing right there because you don't want that little cookie in the oven cooking yeah. and overheating. Yes, correct. And also people with heart problems, they recommended that you not use warm water therapy. It's one of the reasons why when you buy one that they suggest that you actually go see your doctor and make sure that you can use it. You're not going to have a problem that you got a good bill of health. Those were some of the, which as I started the family enjoyment with friends and family was not on the the top 10 list. It was farther down than that. But I think that's what people buy them for and don't realize that they really have a great resource at their fingertips to use for a lot of different reasons. Health and wellness. Health and wellness. So it's something that just the relieving of stress, I think is something that a lot of people have dealt with, especially in the last several years with the changes to a lot of our lives. And Did something happen? Yeah. People got to stay home more. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. One thing I want to ask you about when it comes to in-ground spas that I experienced in Arizona was that there were actually builders that were putting these little 11 kW electric heaters on them. And that's a little tiny electric heater about that big. It's a little box and it'll heat up your spa easy in, I don't know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, or maybe not at all. This is key here since we're talking about spas and hot tubs is there's always a cheaper way to do stuff. Not a better. But there's a way to do stuff so that it's better. And you need to understand what the differences are. Because those little 11 kW heaters, 
they just couldn't heat a spot. I don't know how many renovations I did where I had to bring in a gas line or put in a propane tank and put in a regular 400,000 or at the very smallest, a 250K BTU heater. Part of the, you want the heater on there so it'll heat it up fast. So a heat pump, will a heat pump work? Nope. That won't work either. It just has yet to prove to me that it will get a spa up to 104 degrees on Christmas day when it's cold. And the kind that are mixed together I think we even talked about this because I talked about dual purpose motorcycles. There's motorcycles that are really good in the dirt. There's really motorcycles that are really good on the street. And then they make a dual purpose, which is not really good at either one of them. So I know that there's a heat pump on the market that's combined with actually a gas heater. And if I remember correctly, Pantera has it. And it's a gas heater that has an electric heat pump built in with it, but they're smaller units. So it's a 100K BTU gas heater And I don't remember what the specs were on the heat pump portion of it. The idea was that you could maybe save some money and you could possibly cool the pool. And I honestly don't know enough about that particular product to really give any sort of good information on it. I just don't see how a heat pump can heat a spa to 104 degrees in the middle of winter, someplace where it's cold, like in North Texas. I mean, we get below freezing. So again, depending on the part of the country you're Mm -hmm. at and depending on the season, I would say that it's probably not going to work. I did go on a project a couple years ago and they had a pool and spa combination and there was a heat pump on the pool, no gas heater. And I asked them and they just purchased the home and I said, you're probably going to want to put a gas heater on it. They're going to have to. They said, said yes. And the previous owner had moved there from Florida and thought that they could get away with that situation and they found out. Sadly, that it didn't work to their Maybe in Florida and even California, maybe that combo unit would work. I just don't know. I want to be 100% positive when I tell somebody anything. And I know for a fact that if you use a gas heater, you can get your hot tub up or spa to 104 degrees. And that's the magic number, 102 to 104. That's where my wife likes to be. She likes to cook. 102. She's cooking. My wife likes it at 102, but she likes to cook regular food at 500 degrees. We always laugh. She's a great cook. Everything comes very warm. And you can take a little bit break before you eat it, but you need it warm. So as long as we're on the hot tubs and spas, and then we'll come back to it, shall we talk about the word of the day? Because it has a little something to do with spas, because spas or hot tubs are self-contained hot tubs. Many of them typically have an ozone option on them, or they come with an ozone. And we use ozone on our swimming pools to help with sanitation. So they're used with hot tubs as well. Let our word be ozone. Ozone. Ozone and a hot tub, you have a lid on it. Are you typically going to get algae? You can, yeah. But if you've got the lid on it, for the most part, then you're not going to develop algae. because It depends on how long it is since that lid was opened. Okay. And what kind of maintenance has been done on that hot tub. Okay. I have a particular routine, if you will, because I'm just a creature of habit, if you will. And so every three months, I would drain it completely, polish it, either clean the filter and put a new filter in it, check everything out, fill it back up, forget it for three months. It was pretty rare that water ever got bad in it. It had an ozone system on it. We used bromine in it. Super easy to maintain. So ozone doesn't work on algae. Mm-mm. It works primarily on bacteria. It works on organic material. With using it in conjunction with a hot tub, then you can use either less chlorine 
Why wouldn't you want to use chlorine? Why do you want to use bromine? Bromine actually does better in warm water than chlorine does. Okay. So you'll actually use less chemicals by using the bromine. You still have to use a little bit of acid to lower the pH in the pool in the spa because it's just like a pool. You want to maintain your pH somewhere, my opinion, 7.2 to 7.4, a little on the aggressive side. It helps keep the scale off the pool. That's the way I've always maintained all the pools and all the service routes that we ever did. That's where we were at. So if you've got really warm water and you have chlorine, the chlorine just leaves. The chlorine just doesn't last as long. And in a swimming pool, of course, you've got sanitizer. I'm talking about with a pool or with a spa, you have a number of things that you're going to have to maintain. With a hot tub, you've got a higher temperature, so the bromine works better. So, Mike, we've been talking about above-ground spas or hot tubs. And a lot of them, most of them are helped with the sanitation with ozone. And we had a question of the day that came from somebody that wanted to know what ozone even is, what it does, how it works. What is ozone? Ozone is oxygen. Extra molecule of oxygen. An extra one. The bonus. The bonus molecule. (laughs) Yeah. So the easiest way for me to explain ozone to people is all of you have experienced ozone. If you've ever been out after a thunderstorm... That smell of just like everything smells really fresh. You're smelling ozone. In a swimming pool, what the ozone does, ozone, as Mike just pointed out, or as I just pointed out, as we both know, is three molecules of oxygen. And the third molecule is like super unstable. It wants to detach pretty quickly and grab a hold of something and just burn it up. And so the way I explain it to people is imagine a giant pile of leaves in your yard. Go over and you light them on fire and it burns down to just a small little piece or small pieces. Now we filter all of that out. So the ozone does its big job of just burning stuff off. And then the filtration system does the rest of it by running it through the filtration system. But ozone is going to reduce your need for chlorine or even bromine by 40, 50, 60%. Right. And it's pure and it's safe. And it's not like the ozone in the atmosphere where you think, you know, it can hurt you because it's not going to hurt you. It's a very small amount. And there's a couple different types of ozone systems anyway. There's the standard normal type. And then there's the corona discharge type, which is a completely different animal altogether. So which do you prefer? You're not going to see a lot of corona discharge style ozone units on residential swimming pools. There are some. But they're substantially more expensive than, say, a standalone unit, say a Dell unit, which you and I are both familiar with, which are excellent. There's a lot of different types of ozone systems on the market. Some of them are just, if you could imagine a little tiny electrical storm going off inside a little box and then that being drawn back into the water to do its sanitation, it's just interesting how it all works. So there's a lot of different Units that are available on the market. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be a a wide variety of price points. Very wide. And they're going to be a wide variety of how effective they are. Here's the thing. I think what happens with advertising, and I'm going to all open this up too, and that is things work differently in different parts of the country. But with marketing and advertising, very often the message is the same wherever you're at. But it doesn't really work like that because there's certain products that are do very well in different parts of the country that don't do well in other parts of the country. Because the climate's different. Because the climate's different. The weather is different. The prevailing winds are different. The sunshine is, there's more sunshine or there's less sunshine. There's more environmental conditions. There's more organic material getting into the pool. I mean, here in North Texas, there's so many trees here. 
every year people are dealing with this. In Arizona, we don't really deal with that. We don't have a lot of that kind of organic material falling into pools. Now, are there areas in Phoenix where it does? Sure. Older areas, especially get down in central Phoenix, there's lots of areas that are beautiful with lots of trees. Those people are going to get trees and there's pine trees there with pine needles. But for the most part, because so much of the Phoenix area is new, there's not big trees there and it's the desert. So we don't deal with the organic material the same as here. Most of the country has trees. So, and the point really is that based upon where you're at, there's going to be things that work better than in other parts of the country. So you might've heard from a friend or a family member or some coworker, maybe you move from a different part of the country to a new part of the country. And the stuff that worked where you were at before just might not work the same as it does in a new place. Right. And so I think it's just really important that you not only understand that, but whoever you're working with understand this because this isn't a one size fits all. So ozone is a sanitizer? Yes, it is. Okay. So by using it, you can reduce the amount of chlorine or Mm -hmm. bromine that you need in a hot tub or even a swimming pool. Okay. But typically bromine is not used in swimming pools. It's used just in a hot tub. We've got something that lowers the chlorine. It makes it more user-friendly to use. The other advantage of that system is with a hot tub with it running 24-7 is you have more time for your ozone to be more effective Mm -hmm. than if you're using a system that only runs for, say, 8 or 10 or 12 or even 15, 16 hours a day. Would that be a safe statement? Correct. And then because there are different types of units, the corona discharge versus the standard unit, these units have ballast in them. They have a bulb in them. These bulbs are rated for a certain amount of time because when they're brand new, there's more output than when they're two years old or three years old. They only last so long before the bulb or the ballast has to be replaced in the less expensive ones. You start talking corona discharge systems These are thousands and thousands of dollars. And in the old days, they put bulbs in the bottom of the pool that would push out the ozone. It's a different type of technology that just reduces the amount of harsh chemicals because there's no chemicals involved with ozone. And that's the appeal. There's been a lot of talk about how bad chlorine is for people. And of course, over the years, I know you've experienced this where people will come to you and say, I'm allergic to chlorine, so I don't want a chlorine pool. And maybe they are allergic to the chlorine, but The reality is a lot of those people are allergic to chloramines, which is the byproduct of chlorine. Right. So once it combines with something, it turns into waste. That waste is essentially ammonia. And yeah, it'll cause itchy skin. It'll cause your eyes to burn. It can change your hair color. It can do a lot of things, but it's the chloramines and not the chlorine. And where I'm going with this is that chlorine is good. This solved a lot of the world's problems. We have clean drinking water as a result of chlorine. Chlorine is used to manufacture all kinds of products. And so in marketing and advertising, one of the best ways to get people to make a decision is to scare them. And so if people are afraid of chlorine, we could sell more ozone or we could sell other alternatives. And I'm just saying that the chlorine is still needed. And especially when you get to areas of the country where the sun is shining almost all the time, Arizona, Southern California, Florida, chlorine is needed. There's not a thing as a chlorine-free pool that I'm aware of. doesn't mean that there's not one out there, but in all my 30 years, I've never seen a chlorine-free pool, but I have messed around with some products that said that they were, and I've yet to come up with something that worked. 
you're dealing with high temperatures in the middle of the summer mm-hmm. or sometimes long. And that's really it. That, Mike, is the high temperatures because water becomes increasingly more difficult to maintain as the temperature rises. That's why in the wintertime, your pool's really easy to take care of. So, any last thoughts on ozone? The only thoughts I have on ozone is they're great for swimming pools and spas and hot tubs. I would highly encourage having one. Okay. One of the things that we didn't touch base on, which is becoming increasingly of high interest to people, is a cold plunge. Oh, for sure. So, two years ago, I had three clients that were interested in cold plunge. And prior to that, I never had a client that was interested in a cold plunge. When I went to the international show last year, I walked the whole show looking for cold plunges. Tony Robbins thinks they're the best things ever. I think there's several people that are in the podcast industry that talk about cold plunges as well. So anyway, I found three last year. I was like, okay, this is good information. So this year I walked around the show looking for cold plunges. There was probably 33 this year. Becoming more mainstream and popular for sure. Most definitely. So this is something, again, from a health and wellness standpoint that has gained a lot of traction. And so there's some things that people aren't aware about those. But most of the units that you're looking at are going to be a portable above ground unit similar to your hot tub that you're going to put in your wellness area of your home. And it could be inside or it could be outside. So most of them are designed to be in both situations. Here, we're going to cool the water off somewhere around 55 degrees. And you're going to get in that water to begin with. Most people are one to two minutes to to start with, but not for long periods of time. But it does also increase your pulse rate. When you go into water that's that cold. Yeah, we used our pool as a cold plunge in the wintertime. In Phoenix? Yeah. Did it actually get to 55? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It increases your adrenaline when you go in there because you're shocking your system. So you get out and you feel very invigorated from it. Sure. Also, antioxidant capabilities are increased because of the white blood cell count goes up. There was a lot of things that go along with this. There's also people that view using a cold plunge along with a sauna that's been going on for about a thousand years. And like a steam like, sauna? Yeah. That's something that I don't know a lot about steam saunas. So I think we should get an expert to talk about that. And I'm not that person. You might know more about it than I do, but you probably do because I don't know much. I don't know about that. But anyway. In talking of the wellness situation, that's another thing that's come up that's increasing in popularity and demand and and looking at the whole wellness situation, which I think is becoming more of a topic to discuss. I mean, a lot of people have had the situation in their homes. They didn't use it, but now that they've realized there's more advantages than just the social aspects of it, then it's going to become more regularly used. There's a pretty big difference, I think, between the jacuzzi tub and a really nice outdoor above ground spa or even in ground spa. I mean, they definitely work different. You're laying down in the tub, not sitting up. They're definitely different animals. Right. But as far as the cold plunges, I mean, yeah, they are definitely all the rage. We're seeing, you know, advertisements on social media for anything from what almost looks like a nylon case that you fill up with ice and water and just get in and then dump it out and let it be done. 
or full self-contained units. And there's a lot of stuff out there now. And I think to your point earlier about these outdoor environments and kitchens and structures, that little space for health and wellness. And as you know, health and wellness means everything to me now. And I think that if I decided I wanted to build a new house, I'm not even sure I would do a pool anymore. At this point, for me, I would probably do a really nice hot tub and a cold punch. A cold punch. We had four pools. The kids are all grown. It just, it was great. I loved it. And I love helping young families build these spectacular projects that they're going to enjoy and have so much fun with their kids and family for years and years. But we're kind of over that. Everybody's at different points Mm -hmm. that use it and enjoy it. I still don't swim in my pool every day, but I do listen to it every day and enjoy the feature that it is. That'll be the part that'll be hard because we like the same thing. So, no, we'll see. But there are a lot of cool options that you can use. Hot tubs and cold plunges can be used in very small spaces. And so that's one of the nice things that you can look at is you can have a well-designed small space that has a lot of the features that you would get in a larger backyard area in the past. So we can get the sound of water and we can get the function of water in a small backyard area. So that's another advantage. And again, the outdoor living industry, there's a huge section that they're creating these environments that have no pool. Mm -hmm. They've got everything else, but they have no pool. The hot tub and the cold plunge are certainly features that are incorporated. And some of those could not having a pool could hurt the value of the property. It could also enhance the value of the property. Anything that's well done, I think, enhances the value of the property. I agree. I agree. But sometimes people don't do well done. Right. They like medium rare instead. So we had a question that came up. This one's from Florida, if I remember right. Doral, D-O-R-A-L. Renee asked this question and her question had to do with lazy rivers and she was wondering if lazy rivers have now gone out of style no i don't think so at all okay if anything i think there we're probably going to see more i mean as you and i both know the last 30 years we've seen stuff come in and out of style multiple times and we've been on a long I think run with the contemporary, really modern looking pools. And I think that's going to continue. But what I've noticed is that there's just really not any one thing anymore that is the all the rage. It's all over the map. You've got, as an example, Lucas Lagoons is building all kinds of lazy rivers all over the place. So there's the company that's doing them. We've done them. I've done them. I don't think they've gone out of style at all. I think what she may have been referring to is that the style of Lazy River that most people visualize is what Lucas Lagoon does. Like a big lagoon with a big giant freeform Lazy River around it. And, yeah, and for sure. And boulder work and stuff like that. And so because a lot of design has gone towards a more modern style the last mm-hmm. several years, I think what she's thinking is, do they do a modern style Lazy River? I would imagine you could make one look really good. You probably have done one. Yeah, I did a project a number of years ago and the pool is perfectly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And so it has a lazy river on it. And basically the lazy river, I call it like the handle off of a mug. It's basically shaped like a big U going off of a rectangular pool. And in the middle of that U is a cabana and the spa and a patio area in there. But all the finishes were done very clean and tailored 
There's not a boulder on the property, much less the swimming pool. It was all done with cut stones and tiles and fire bowls and water features. So know. is it all straight lines with maybe consistent radiuses on it, like a curvilinear type thing, or is it just all one or the other? It's all straight lines except for the back part, which is a U-shape. Now, I did talk with Riverflow, and one of the cool things that I saw that somebody did on a project is they kept the corners at the surface were 90 degree corners. Mm -hmm. But as it went down under the water, underneath the coping, there's a radius. There's there. a radius there. And so they did that so the flow rates wouldn't just go into a corner and stop. So right. they could actually make that radius work. And I've seen that done also. A couple of years ago, the million dollar pool challenge was in a very small space. And one of the things was how to do that. And so there were several people that incorporated straight line designs because it was a very small courtyard area and they could actually create a current in that by using radiuses and combinations of corners. So you can get efficiency with a river and still have a geometric shape. So yes, that definitely can be done. Have you used that river flow pump specifically just to swim against as a current? Yes. There are a couple of projects that have been done that did not want an apparatus in the pool, like a pump system. Mm -hmm. And so the nice thing is their pump is removed and it's just a flush fitting. It's a 10 horsepower pump with a variable speed. So yes, you can create a current for exercise. But as for... Lazy rivers and them going out of style. I have more and more people. Uh, I've got one that we're fixing to start construction on. I don't think that's going to stop because people want water parks in their backyard. Absolutely. And because we're all different and we're all at different times in our lives as we were just talking about. So I don't see anything necessarily going out of style other than inferior quality construction. <laughs> see that going out of style? That would be nice. Everybody gets something that's built well. <laughs> so if you ask the right questions, chances of you getting a bad situation are a lot less. But no, we'll include some pictures of the one project that I did. That you can see what that looked like. And yeah, I was just going to say, let's get some pictures of that pool up on the website so that people can see what it is you're talking about. But as for them going out of style, no, in fact, cooler and cooler solutions done all the time about what people are trying to create. Mm -hmm. And even Lucas Lagoons has done some modern looking projects. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. So even he ventures out into other different styles now. Yes, sir. Awesome. Some things that you may want to think about when you do a spa, like location of that spa. When people are talking about a spa, there's five things I've run into that people want to think about when they put the location, whether it's a hot tub above ground or if it's a built-in unit that they're thinking about. The number one thing a lot of people think of, and you mentioned it earlier, is access. I want it close to a door, okay? And the master bedroom seems to be one of the most popular doors that they want it by. It was at our house. No, because for some parts of the country, it's because it's cold, gee, it's really cold here, and so I don't want to walk 10, 15 steps and below freezing temperatures, so I want to have it close to something. So One of the other reasons to keep a pool-spa combination, the spa close to the house, too. Oh, most definitely. Like I'm saying, it could be for either one, but access is number one. 
The second thing you also mentioned in your comments about your situation is some people are like, I have to see a TV. So when I'm sitting in my spa, I want to see the TV. And so sometimes there is a TV that is on the back porch that we're going to look at. I've had clients are like, we're going to run speakers outside. I've got a big, huge TV in my master bedroom I can see or in my living room I can see if it's fairly close but I want to see a TV. And then I have other people that have built structures out in the yard so they could be in close proximity to the spa so they could put a TV in that structure. And have some privacy. Yes. That's the third thing that comes up with a lot of people is I really don't care for that guy over there. So let's get it as far away from him as possible. Mm -hmm. Or I don't like the street noise because I'm on a corner or I just have an issue with neighbors, and so I want to create some privacy. So I want to put it in one part of the yard or the other so it's more private or create some privacy around that space. So the above-ground units, I mean, they, a lot of those even come with structures. You can buy a kit that goes right over the top of the spa. You have the spa and a gazebo. Mm -hmm. That's pretty nice. Or you can build any custom structure around it. But the other thing is privacy can be created with just some plants. True. So just one thing to look at when you're looking at this is you said in Arizona, there wasn't a lot of two-story windows. No, there is. It depends on the neighborhood. Okay. Here in Texas, we have a lot of them. Yes, you do. I was in a yard today and it's a $3 million home on an acre and they still have neighbors around that we're looking at key trees to put in to create some privacy and we're going to borrow the trees that the neighbors already have. I just got to plug in the gaps. So when I measure in the yard, I'm locating the neighbor's trees as well as their trees so I can fill all the things in so we can have a private situation. The third thing is some people are like, I want a water feature. And so that's why I'm going to put the spa where I'm going to put it because I'm going to elevate it if it's attached to the pool. Now, you can also get water features in above ground hot tubs. So you get a little bit of sound and of water in that type of situation. Now you, you'd, of course, have to have the cover off for that to work. Since you brought this up, and I'll just point this out, you know this as well as I do. Hot tub and pool with a water feature. If you want to be in your hot tub and you want your therapy jets on, you're going to have a separate pump for that water feature. Oh, 100%. And I see this all the time. People buying a pool and a spa with some water features. We start talking about it. I ask them a question and you're like, no, we just have a single pump on it. So you just need to understand that if you have a pool spa and you have a water feature, you're going to want to have a separate pump operating that water feature or features so that you can sit in the spa, enjoy your spa, and also enjoy the moving water on your water features. So what happens is there's one pump that has a valve. Mm -hmm. One part of the valve goes to the spa. The other part of the valve goes to the water features. So when you're in pool mode, the water features run. Mm -hmm. And when you push the button, the valve turns, boom, water features are dead. Because you've isolated the spa so that you can heat it. So the water doesn't run over the wall into the pool and heat the pool. You're taking the water from the floor of the spa and returning it to the jets so it's isolated. Okay, so now we need, the, like you said, you got to have those water features on a separate pump so they still run so you can enjoy your water feature while you're in spa. Absolutely. Yeah, that's by far the best way, I feel, the only way to do it. 
I mean, I've had people that said, I don't really care about hearing the water features. And I will say to them, are you sure? Because it's going to be pretty expensive to change later. A lot less expensive just to do now. Some well, people are like, I hear the jets going and the sure, bubbles. Sure. And so I don't need to hear something. But you may want to see something too. It's also just a question that should get answered and brought up and be thoroughly understood by the consumer then user. The other thing that comes up in some cases, this is the engineer that's thinking here about cost effectiveness. We're going to put the spa near where the electrical source is or where the plumbing source is so I can save a few hundred dollars in cost. And to me, that's not a good decision to make, but some people are all about efficiency. But what I want you to think about is what kind of space are you gonna create? Is it really as enjoyable as maybe spending a few more dollars and not having the most efficient system, but having the most beneficial system? Agreed. So, but I do have people now and then that are like, oh, I need the spa on this end of the pool because that's near the pool equipment. Or I need the spa on this side of the yard because that's where my electrical service is. I think those are important things to discuss with homeowners, as I know you do. The location of the electrical panel, the gas meter, the proximity of the pool where the pool equipment's going. Because a lot of that stuff, all of that stuff is underground. No one sees it and no one likes to pay for stuff that they don't see. And I get it. But I agree with you. You're creating a space here. Let's not keep it so close that you can hear it and you're having to deal with it all the time. I don't know, somewhere between about 25 and 50 feet away from the pool is pretty ideal. Other thoughts, concerns, or questions? The only thought I have is when you start considering a swimming pool, just consider where you're living at. Because if you live somewhere in the Sun Belt, there's times of the year that you can swim, even in the wintertime. And so if you're going to heat it, you're going to have a heated pool, really think twice about having a spa because you're halfway there because you got the heat source. And then the size of the spa, I think, is important. And then how the spas are laid out on the inside. I started doing some little ledges in spas a few years ago, and people seem to like them because the little kids could get up on the top step and kind of hang out there with everybody. Because the last thing you want is a two-year-old in 104-degree temperature water or three-year-old or whatever it is. So I just think that for me, at least, when I think about having a pool is how can I utilize this as much as possible? You know, I want to be able to hear it. I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to enjoy it. I want to be in it to be around it. So I guess it just boils down to what's important to you. Right. Is it an important thing to understand how many people are we going to sit in it? Mm-hmm. This is just a pet peeve again. I've seen so many seven by seven spas. And a seven by seven spa with a bench on four sides built into the swimming pool sits four people comfortably. Okay. If you make it an eight by eight spa, you can now fit eight people in it comfortably. Fair enough. It's just a little bit of difference that can make a lot more functional situation. But at the same time, since we're talking about perspectives, if 90% of the time it's just two people, that's the discussion that needs to take place is the size, the usage, all of this stuff. Because if you if you have 15 people over once a year, but you have to heat up the entire spa all the rest of the time of the year for yourself and your partner, I don't know if that makes any sense either. Well, I can build a five by eight spa that comfortably sits four people too, mm-hmm. not a seven by seven. I like your ideas on spas. In fact, when you were explaining your personal spa earlier, it made me think of a bunch of stuff. That's just what's fun about this is there's just so much creativity and collaboration going on. And when you can get the right people involved with your project, it's going to be pretty hard to not just really get it perfect. That's the whole idea is to have a great space, but 
we've also found that we can have a very healthy space as well and make our lives a little bit better by using a lot of these things. And a lot of this episode was based off of what's the spas and the hot tubs, health and wellness, which again is very important to me now, certainly more important than any other time in my life. They're just so good. The water, we need water. We need to be around it. We need it in us. We're 70% water. The earth is covered with 70% water. It's pretty fundamentally important. So go get some. Yes, go get some. Warm it up. Use it every single day. All right. This show is all about helping you become a better buyer, a better pool owner, and hopefully you're going to find some insights into how to enjoy your pool even more so, how to help your friends, your family, anybody looking to buy a pool in the future or that want to remodel their backyard, add an outdoor fireplace, fire pit, add an outdoor kitchen area, add some shade cells or whatever else it is. We want to be that resource for you. And that's the end goal here. And we promise that there's going to be a ton of information. We'll try to go through it, you know, as relatively quickly, but also slow so people can understand. But the intent of the show, the reason Mike and I are doing this is because we just got a lot in our heads and we want to share it. So we hope to see you here every single week. Thanks for listening.